Hello everyone and welcome to The Sydneyist, a weekly conversation about what it means to live in a city and how we can help Sydney in particular become its best self. I'm Elizabeth Farrelly here at Eastside Radio on 89.7 FM, eastsidefm.org or on the Eastside Radio app. We're focused on Sydney but the issues we discuss each week affect cities everywhere from cycleways to affordability, from water to waste and from public housing to private tollways. Cities are habitat. For most of us, they're home, so we owe it to ourselves to get interested. They're also, by definition, contested space. We at the Sydneyers think this is a good and healthy thing, although it means that the debate is inevitably political. But we aim always to approach these issues in a spirit of equity, openness and respect. Definitely, this is our motto, no whinging. Today's episode of The Sydneyist is all about democracy sans elections. Will it be better or worse? First of all, I want just to run through some planning news. Because we are a city-making show, we're looking at city-making issues, and there are a few things that have come up during the week. First of all, the NIMBY wars um, are hotting up. NIMBY, as you remember, stands for Not In My Backyard. Now, there's a new thing called YIMBY, which is Yes In My Backyard, In an interesting precedent for Sydney, possibly, the Andrews government of Victoria proposes to remove neighbours' rights to object to nearby or adjacent developments, so long as those developments have a proportion of affordable homes. That'll be interesting. Just imagine it coming next to you. Meanwhile, the Minns government in New South Wales has identified 11 suburbs and 3,231 pieces of public land for redevelopment. They have they threatened this earlier, a few weeks ago, and now they've identified a, a list, including psychiatric hospitals, um, which we have to hope is not including the Cumberland Hospital, <coughs> Excuse me, and disability centres, uh, as well as suburbs that include Everly and the Haymarket, as well as Camellia, Schofields and North Parramatta, which was recently saved from huge rezoning proposals. Now, again, the heritage uh, reservoir of North Parramatta seems to be at risk. Uh, there's a The public-private battle um, continues in a move rubbished by our favourite developer, Harry Trigobov, um, the men's government proposing to expand Lancom's role to include not just flogging off bits of public land, but also building on it, which which could be, again, for better or for worse. Also, in similar vein, the Inner West Council has an, announced that it will turn public car parks into housing, although people there already complain that there's not enough car parking, as I suppose we all do. And meanwhile, closer to home here in Paddington for us at the moment, um, and at Nielsen Park, Shark Beach is set to remain closed for yet another summer due to works happening rather slowly on the sea wall. But over in Parramatta, meanwhile, the wonderful new pool, which is set into a sunken circle, if you will, at the top of Mays Hill in, the, in Parramatta Park, is almost complete and due to open any moment uh, in time for the spring. So that's quite exciting for Western Sydney. Now, though, I want to go straight to our wonderful guest for this evening, Luca Belgiorno Nettis, um, who is who has a number of distinctions, including being a director of Transfield and a very important supporter, of course, of the Biennale in Sydney. But for our purposes, it's probably more relevant that he trained as an architect and in 2004, I think, founded the New Democracy Foundation, which is dedicated to finding alternative modes of governance 
which might restore the trust, uh, our trust, that is to say, in public decision-making. Welcome, Luca. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you, Elizabeth. Um, so we have, we have some really interesting conversation to have tonight about how democracy might be improved if we removed elections. I often recall George Washington's farewell address to the nation when he said, uh, uh, and I'm, I'm quoting, that, that the party system, if it continued, would enable, quote, cunning, ambitious and unprincipled men to support, subvert the power of the people and usurp for themselves the reins of government destroying afterwards the very engines which have lifted them to unjust dominion. Um, it's impossible, of course, reading those words not to think of Trump. But we're conscious everywhere, I think, and especially perhaps here in New South Wales, that democracy seems to let us down, um, that it doesn't seem to be very good at representing what we think we want done, in particular, of course, with regard to global heating. But do you think that democracy carries within it the seeds of its own destruction? Ooh, <laughs> that's a big question. It is a big question. It is yeah. a big question. Uh, I, I'm actually reminded of, of uh, the architecture of democracy. And, and indeed, I think the way we do democracy is, is – I think it's kind of better to think about the specifics. So here is the way we set our parliament up, mm. which is this horseshoe – uh, space, yes. which is great for debating, but it's not actually very good for dialogue. And uh, and I've just come back from Dublin, where they've had their sixth citizens' assembly, and they do it in a big square ballroom where people are seated seated at tables of six to eight, and they deliberate there amongst themselves. Yes, they hear have a plenary. Yes, but so that is kind of a better way of actually discussing. Issues rather than having this 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 standoff. Yes. So the, the that's really interesting. The horseshoe shape, which um, doesn't pertain to all parliaments, but most of them, most of the Westminster parliaments, and certainly in the New South Wales one, which is very, I think it's beautiful, very tight, very oppositional, isn't it? Very it's much very the, the, awesome bear, the, the bear pit. It's, yes, it's, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. the crossbench is quite. Narrow. Yeah, <laughs> sadly, I, I would broaden out the crossbench and have the. Yeah. But that's actually it's a deliberate representation, isn't it, of the party system, which is what Washington yes, was talking y- yes, about. and and I think it's it was sort of uh, or the I mean, two parties and, and even the, and even the Greeks did it that way in their bull. You know, it was still a horseshoe. Yeah, even though the, the representatives were selected by lot rather than by election, mm. uh, it it's still. It always it strikes me as not being a very good way of of discussing topics and 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 arriving at consensus. Interesting, isn't it? And a friend of mine said on, yeah. I think it was Facebook today when I was um, talking about this episode, and she said, um, "Surely you can't have democracy without, without elections." Isn't that a matter of definition of, of democracy? Well, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's a bit like. Um, uh, the habits we get into, like you know, the definition of the woman's place was at the home, you know. So, so you know, yeah, yeah we're done with that. <laughs> we, 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 that. That's right. So we could be done with the yeah. elections as well. Yeah. Uh, the, the problem with elections, well, the good thing about elections, in a way, is that they're entertaining. Yes. You know, they, they, yes. you know, they, they people advertise their vigor and their competency by, you know, <laughs> great oratory and and um, a persuasive rhetoric. And 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 seeing an argument on you know whether it's on a soapbox between you know two outstanding candidates or on television or wherever, is quite entertaining, yeah. and you get to see both sides of an argument. But in fact, what happens is 
there's no real incentive to arrive at a consensus there. It's just about let's just you know persuade whoever yeah. about my position and not try and find yeah. common ground. In fact, there's no real incentive, I think, for even for the arguments to be made. Honestly, uh, uh, having having recently been through two New South Wales elections myself, and I remember thinking, it's really interesting because the this is a device to select for all of the characteristics that we actually don't want in our leaders, all of the kind of self-aggrandizing um, and sort of self-promoting characteristics. I, I, I agree. I, I've used this line before. I think the problem with elections is they conflate personalities with policy development. Indeed, and so it's mm. it's it's conflating. Political ambition, per- personal ambition, with public policy, and and um, you know we should try and moderate that, and that's why we think having these citizens' councils selected by democratic lottery as a complement, at least to start with, uh, is a good way of of um, well showing up that there is another way of affecting representation and yeah. policy development, uh, but but also potentially you know in time seeing. Which one works better? Yes. So um, I should, I should, uh, for the sake of the listeners, explain perhaps that Luca has kindly come and spoken to some of my students at university on several occasions. And one of the things that he typically says, and I think often begins with, is um, the possibly start, slightly startling assertion that that the first democracy, Athens, uh, was run without elections. So is that? Is that correct, right? Correct. And is that, does that make it a good model, do you think? Well, it is the first model of democracy in the Western mm. world that we're aware of. And, and, but most people just think about it as being an elected you know, parliament, and it, and it wasn't. Mm. Uh, what, what happened is you've obviously got the Pericles of the world who were these outstanding generals who often spoke uh, very persuasively. Yeah. But the reality was that the... the, the Greek system was made up of two main institutions, one of which was a a space called the boule where the representatives were selected by lottery and the other was the assembly where anyone could speak. Mm. And, and, and often, of course, you know, the most um, competent and well-versed in rhetoric spoke and Pericles often was, was the one who, you know, was one of the, you know, leading orators. Uh, but th- there you have it is uh, firstly there was this parliament that was selected by lottery, not by election. Mm. And how did those two, this is a matter of curiosity, but how did the two bodies relate to each other in well, terms of... The, 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 the assembly actually, uh, the bull to start with, the one with the lottery, mm. uh, uh, set the agenda for the assembly okay. and, then, and then the assembly voted on it by a show of hands. Yes. And anyone, any male, of course, you know, that was the time, uh, any uh, male yeah. citizen, Athenian male citizen, could go to the assembly yes. and vote and talk yes. for that matter yes. as well. So yes, there was this very interesting relationship between, if you like, the um, uh, uh, the expressive public aspect, which was the assembly, and the more deliberative one, which was the bull, yeah. which where they set the agenda. Yeah. Um, critics of the Athenian system often point out that. As you as you say, that it yeah. was limited to um, uh, male citizens, uh, and that meant, I think, property owners. So, uh, and that it didn't include slaves, foreigners, women, helots, you know, a- and so on. But uh, I, I imagine, I suppose, the same went for the uh, people elected or appointed by ballot as well. Correct. Yes. Correct. But but 
imagine too that your argument is that that pool can be expanded to be much more diverse. Y- yes, of course. And, and but the, the beauty about the, the Greek system, in fact, it was that this was the reason it had such a success at the time. Mm. Was that, and I'm talking the Athenian system in particular, uh, was that uh, all male citizens, rich or poor. So they didn't have to be actually property owners. Oh, okay. It just had to be citizens. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's a, a small yeah. improvement, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. That, well, well yeah, that's right. <laughs> Nevertheless, yes. Um, so let's talk about the citizens' jury, or I think sometimes you call it the citizens' assembly, uh, but how that might work, just just in terms of how the, I suppose, the nuts and bolts, how you do it, how you make it happen. Well, essentially, what we're trying to do is um, a, a, obtain, and we use this phrase, this term, a mini public. Mm. So we're trying to get a reflection of the broader community yep. into this room, whether it's 50 or 100 people, mm. or it can be 25, but usually it, people want to see a, a bigger number, not just a jury of 12, mm. to be seen to be more representative. So if you've got a 50 to 100, the issue is, in fact, you know, I just mentioned I came back from Dublin mm. and... Uh, did I mention that already or did yes. that before? <laughs> Briefly. <laughs> yeah. um, so that, that, that room was 100. Uh, yes. And uh, so that's and that's seen. That's the number that they're using regularly now. So that's it seems been like a lot for a conversation, doesn't it? But yes, it, it is. Uh, but at the same time, you know, when people see, well, so the conversations, as I say, happen around the small tables of yes. six to eight. Yes. No more than six to eight. Yeah. And so, and and then those those deliberations get aggregated, mm. uh, and it's a quite amazing to see. In fact, most people have no. Uh, f- belief that this is possible. Yes. You, yeah, because, yeah, unless yeah. you actually have to see it. Yes. And, and uh, in fact, we'd, we'd invited a number of politi- Australian politicians to, to join us in Dublin. Unfortunately, they were all busy. <laughs> uh, uh, but um, it's, it's well worth seeing. Yeah. Yes. I think it's fascinating because, and I think one of the reasons we think 100 people in a room is going to be, oh, is because of our experience of elections, which is that the sense of, you know, this cacophony of just everyone shouting at once and nobody listening, but uh, it's probably completely different. Yes, that's right. And there are, in, in the way the Irish do it, they have note takers at each table mm. who are not the participants, not mm. the hundred. Uh, and those notes then get uh, aggregated up, as I said, uh, to you know, computer wise, so that the, the sense of the discussions uh, are found where whatever the common thread is in those mm. discussions they're brought out through that process and um you know we usually have this um metric which is this this um threshold that you know, 80, 80 if 80 percent of the room agrees on a subject then that's consensus mm. and uh and that often happens isn't that interesting I, i've heard it said that this is a way of accessing popular wisdom what you might call popular wisdom um some people might call it common sense i suppose and that 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 is also a quality about which it's easy to be cynical but i believe and i haven't witnessed one of these myself but i have heard lots of discussions about them and reporting back and it, and and i've seen you know ordin- legal juries in action um i believe that it does people who take part do have that feeling that there is a kind of Shared wisdom, which is being accessed in some way. Uh, yeah, uh, look, I can't tell you how. It's, it's, it, most people who've experienced this, you know, the vast majority of people who've experienced it are so enthusiastic about the process. Yeah. You know, they become total converts. 
and uh, you, you know, you, you renew your faith in in people generally. Yes. I mean, you, you obviously get that you know you get a proportion of people, you know, minority that are just complete jerks and you know don't want to know about it and try to disrupt things. But you know, that's the way that that's, that's the way of the world. Yeah. Uh, but mostly, it, uh, they work extremely well when they when the process of the uh, is done properly. Yes. You know, clearly, if you get a hundred strangers in a room and you just let them go yeah. at it, you know, it becomes a town hall meeting and, you know, everyone jumps up and wants to scream at each other and whatever. There, there's a real uh, number of rules, if you yeah. like, that have been learned over decades now yeah. to how to run these things and not least of which is that everyone should be given an opportunity to talk around yes. the table. So the, these note takers and facilitators are ensuring that the people who are usually the most confident and charismatic and and great speakers don't dominate those tables. Yeah. Um, It sounds fascinating. Just run us quickly. We'll we'll have to break in a moment, but I just just run us quickly through the process of selection and how that works and how you make it fair. Well, well, we we usually use a so-called stratified demographic uh, process whereby uh, you determine uh, that uh, there are you want to match that broader community in this mini public, so you want to have the same gender um, proportion that is in the broader public, yeah. the same age, yeah. uh, the bell curve, if you like, yes. uh, from young to old, yeah. uh, or around that, and and you want to have uh, the geography, so depending yes. on the community, so you can use a lot, a few other demographics, if you like, and, and income, yeah. so you can, if you say uh, who's renting and who's Who's yes. who's owning in the in the initial pool? So, so would you adjust those uh, parameters according to what the subject was? Y- you could, but yeah. generally speaking, well, it, it depends. Yeah. You, uh, if um, you know you you want more younger people into the into the yeah. issue or whatever, um, but generally you want to treat, try to keep them as minimum const- uh, uh, stratified elements because otherwise you feel that people argue you're, yeah. you're trying to trick you're it. interfering with you're the interfer- randomness. You're, you're mm. interfering with the random. So yeah. you send out, say, to here in, in the eastern suburbs in, in the you know electorate of Vaucluse, uh, the state electorate of Vaucluse, you'll send out 20,000 invitations randomly yeah. to uh, addresses. Which is selected by a computer. Which is selected system. by a computer. Yeah. And, and you ask those people, would you like to be involved in this process to, yeah. to, and, and, and put your name up to be in the pool? And if you're lucky, you get... If you're lucky, you get five yes. percent responding. Yes, but uh, and and from that five percent, you select your hundred, yes. and then you che- you you just do this ran this check yes. to make sure that that hundred is reflective of the of, of the larger parameters. of those parameters. Yeah. Yeah. If you've got fifty so percent male, female, you might yeah. have to tweak it a little bit to yeah. sort of get you know. Uh, random uh, select further yeah. from the larger pool. Okay, yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Um, we are going to have a quick break now we're going to listen to a song called john lee hooker for president by our favorite rye cooter
town people I was walking down Pennsylvania Avenue And I heard a lot of people talking about the White House I decided I'd drop in there that night When I got there I said, man, what's shaking? They said, look man, you can't come in here This is where the president hang out What you want? I said, look, man, I'm John Lee Hooker. I sing the blues. They said, the president don't have time for the blues. I said, look, man, everybody got to have the blues sometimes, no matter where you're from or where you're at. So I decided to make a run for president. <laughs> yeah, I know everybody got the blues. Cause I'm in touch with them when I sing in my life. I got the number one record in Detroit right now. It's called Boom Boom. Yeah, it tells a tremendous story. These lyrics are something else. I want you to dig it and pick up on it. And every time you hear Boom Boom, that's a dollar change. I don't need your money cause I finance my own campaign. I ain't for sale. I keep a fat back roll in my pocket, baby. Big as a hay bale. Yes, sir. Now I want everybody to know I'm strictly copacetic. I ain't Republican or Democratic. I got a new program for the nation. There's gonna be a groove time, a big sensation. Every man and woman gets one scotch, one bourbon, one beer. Three times a day if they stay cool. And little chillings gets milk. Cream and alcohol two times a day if they stay involved in school. Now book it, children. Yes, that was the wonderful Rye Cooter with a song called John Lee Hooker for President, um, which perhaps wouldn't be such a bad idea, actually. Um, uh, I think it was Plato who said we should have philosopher kings. It's an idea that I've yeah. always liked myself. Um, anyway, I'm here in the studio with uh, Luca Bergiorno Nettis, and we're talking about whether democracy would work better in a fairer, cleaner, more honest and more intelligent way if we scrapped the idea of the election. So, Luca, I want to just ask you a little bit more now about how... We've talked about how the jury is selected, but how it actually works. How do you, how do you persuade people? I suppose to give up time. How much time does it take? How do the, how do you make sure that people are reasonably well across the issues and that sort of question? Uh, th- the first issue is that the uh, people who get these invitations, the public at large, need to feel as if their voice is going to be important. So. Uh, unless they get an invitation from a a government 
or some such, they're not likely to respond. Mm. So or, 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 that's why we at New Democracy tend to concentrate on trying to, trying to um, yeah, encourage governments to go through this process so that they can send out the invitations. And uh, So f- that's number one. Mm. Uh, s- secondly, yes, they sh- it'd be good if they're paid. Mm. Most people can't take days off Time during the out. week. So, mm. so th- these, these um, uh, juries happen, the days that they happen are on Saturdays every second Saturday for three months. Mm. So it's it's important that they're given time. So we, we usually talk about 40 hours face-to-face. Mm. And in, in the interim, of course, they, they, they can read as, as they wish. Um, and, you know, and they're also given, you know, um, childcare if they need it and, and, and you know, other facilities, uh, obviously catering and the rest. Um, and... Uh, what, what, what else? The, the, Access the, to experts, to educators. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Initially, the commissioning government agent mm. uh, will have a brief, mm. and that brief uh, on whatever the issue might be, if, if it's um, uh, housing affordability, mm. uh, it will be, well, these are the issues about housing mm. affordability, rental, whatever, whatever. And, and then through this 40 hours, the Participants themselves can then talk about well, we'd like to hear from this other expert Experts, rather than that yes. one, and they since you know they and they get little lectures or or, or talks or correct, books correct, or correct, correct mm. that's right, that's cool. Mm. So look, I'm conscious that once again we're going to run out of time because the conversation is so interesting that we could talk forever. But I just want to ask you. I know you've done lots of you've had lots of experience with running these, and you've run some on nuclear waste, and there was one on city of Sydney, at least actually two, I think one about. Uh, the lockouts and one about 2050 strategy, and there are yes. some good, very good international examples, which perhaps we could mention very briefly. But also, I want to ask you about how we could apply this system here now in Australia to better our cities. I suppose. Um, well, as you mentioned, um, there was this um, uh, jury that we ran for the city of Sydney on mm. the city of Sydney's. 2050 vision, mm. and there were some great recommendations that came out of that. Mm. Uh, so that's for the city to embrace. Um, that that is a space to be explored further. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but if, on the question of housing affordability, yes. well, we were kind such of, a big issue for yeah, us now. Yeah, correct. Mm. And we, we were fortunate to see the. Uh, independence, the crossbench led by Allegra Spender and, and, and even Jackie Lambie and um, uh, Mr Wilkie come out uh, supporting the notion of a citizen assembly for housing uh, affordable yes. for housing affordability. And how many how how big a jury would you select for that? We, we, it's such we, a huge issue. Well, we think it, once again, it, you know, people need to feel as if uh, there is a a good representative mm. cross section, and it, it it doesn't need to be a hundred, but mm. you know, 50, 50, 50, 50, yeah. 50 could yeah. could do the job. There's also this other question of the incentives that the participants have. The big, bigger the group, the less incentive they have to actually apply themselves. Yes, yes. You know? That's why you know. I mean, of but course, some people feel like sitting back and yes, mm. let let the others run it. Uh, so there's that. That so tension. One of the interesting questions for me is: is if we're looking at affordability, which of course is incredibly complicated, and our governments at the moment tend just to say, "Well, you know, more housing is better, so we're just going to give over all this land to developers, and they can do whatever they like and double it if they want to." Um, that's a temptation in the sense of more is better. But is there a way of adjusting a citizens' assembly about affordability so that 
we also build into the question quality so that we get better cities and better housing and better streets oh. out of it? <coughs> this is calling on your architectural background now. <laughs> well, well, absolutely. You know, whatever the whatever the the issue is, the burning issue, the wicked problem, uh, it's um, uh, it can include questions of you know f- livability. Yes. Yeah. And how to strategize that and how yeah. to work towards yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to stop there. I'm terribly sorry. We at least another half hour for this conversation, probably more like two or three weeks. Anyway, um, I have to say good night to everybody. Thank you so much to Luca Belgiorno-Nettis for being here and being such a wonderful guest. Um, if any of the listeners have good ideas and questions you'd like us to address, please drop us a line on the Sydneyist at eastsidefm.org. Um, in the meantime... We will take a short break. We've got a few...